Chapter Eleven of the Mystery of the Sycamore by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fleming Stone. Next day brought the advent of two men and a boy to Sycamore Ridge. Samuel Appleby determined to discover the murderer of his father and convinced that it was none of the wheeler family had brought fleming stone the detective to investigate the case stone had a young assistant who always accompanied him and this lad terence mcguire by name was a lively irrepressible chap with red hair and freckles but his quick thinking and native wit rendered him invaluable to stone who had already hinted that mcguire might some day become his successor the wheeler family jeffrey allen curtis keefe and burden the local detective were all gathered in mr wheeler's den to reaccount the whole story to fleming stone with grave attention stone listened and young mcguire eagerly drank in each word as if committing a lesson to memory which indeed he was for stone depended on his helper to remember all facts theories and suggestions put forward by the speakers long experience had made fleming stone a connoisseur in cases and by a classification of his own he divided them into express and local by this distinction he meant that in the former cases he arrived quickly at the solution without stop or hindrance the latter kind involved necessary stops even side issues and a generally impeded course by reason of conflicting motives and tangled clues as he listened to the story unfolded by the members of the party he sighed for he knew this was no lightning express affair he foresaw much investigation ahead of him and he already suspected false evidence and perhaps bribed witnesses yet these conclusions of his were based quite as much on intuition as on evidence and stone did not wholly trust intuition samuel appleby was the principal spokesman as he was the one chiefly concerned in the discovery of the criminal and the avenging of his father's death moreover he was positive the deed had not been done by any of the wheeler family and he greatly desired to prove himself right in this but you were not here at the time mr appleby stone said and i must get the story from those who were mr keefe you came with mr appleby senior and also as his confidential secretary you were in a position to know of his mental attitudes had he to your knowledge any fear any premonition of evil befalling him not at all answered keefe promptly if he had i do not know of it but i think i can affirm that he had not for when mr appleby was anxious he always showed it in many ways it was noticeable if he had a perplexity on his mind in such a case he was irritable quick-tempered and often absent-minded the day we came down here mr appleby was genial affable and in a kindly mood this to my mind quite precludes the idea that he looked for anything untoward how did he impress you mr wheeler stone went on you had not seen him for some time i believe not for fifteen years 
dan wheeler spoke calmly and with an air of determined reserve our meeting was such as might be expected between two long-time enemies but appleby was polite and so was i he came to ask a favor of you rather to drive a bargain he offered me a full pardon in return for my assistance in his son's political campaign you i am sure know all this from mr appleby the son yes i do i'm asking you if mr appleby the father showed in his conversation with you any apprehension or gave any intimation of a fear of disaster mr stone returned wheeler i have confessed that i killed mr appleby i hold therefore that i need say nothing that will influence my own case well you see mr wheeler this case is unusual perhaps unique in that three people have confessed to the crime so far i am preserving an open mind though it is possible you and your wife and daughter acting in collusion only one of you could have fired the fatal shot yet you all three claim to have done so there is no conclusion to be drawn from this but that one is guilty and the other two are shielding that one draw any conclusion you wish said wheeler still imperturbably but i've no objection to replying to the question you ask me sam appleby said no word to me that hinted at a fear for his personal safety if he had any such fear he kept it to himself he knew of your enmity toward him of course he did me an unforgivable injustice and i never pretended that i did not resent it and you refused to meet his wishes regarding his son's campaign i most certainly did for the same reasons i opposed his own election many years ago yes all those details i have from mr appleby jr now mr appleby does not believe that his father was killed by any member of your family mr wheeler can he then produce the man whom he does suspect no he suspects no one definitely but he thinks that by investigation i can find out the real criminal you may as well save your time and trouble mr stone i am the man you seek i freely confess my crime and i accept my fate whatever it be can i do more yes if you are telling the truth go on and relate details what weapon did you use my own revolver where is it i threw it out of the window which window the the bay window in my den in this room yes that window there stone pointed to the big bay yes you were sitting there at the time of the shot were you not miss wheeler stone turned to maida who white-faced and trembling listened to her father's statements i was sitting there before the shot the girl returned speaking in quiet steady tones though a red spot burned in either cheek and then when mr appleby threatened my father i shot him myself my father is untruthful for my sake in his love for me he is trying to take my crime on himself oh believe me mr stone others can testify that i said long ago that i could willingly kill mr appleby he has made my dear father's life a living grave 
he has changed a brilliant capable man of affairs to a sad and broken-hearted recluse a man who had everything to live for everything to interest and occupy his mind was condemned to a solitary imprisonment save for the company of his family my father's career would have been notable celebrated but that samuel appleby put an end to fifteen years ago for no reason but petty spite and mean revenge i had never seen the man save as a small child and when i learned he was at last coming here my primitive passions were stirred my sense of justice awoke and my whole soul was absorbed in a wild impulse to rid the world of such a demon in human form i told my parents i was capable of killing him they reproved me so i said no more but i brooded over the project and made ready and then when mr appleby threatened my father talked to him brutally scathingly fairly turning the iron in his soul i could stand it no longer and i shot him down as i would have killed a venomous serpent i do not regret the act though i do fear the consequences maida almost collapsed but pulled herself together to add that is the truth you must disregard and disbelieve my father's noble efforts to save me by trying to pretend the crime was his own stone looked at her pityingly mcguire stared fixedly the boy's eyes round with amazement at this outburst of self-condemnation then stone said almost casually you too mrs wheeler confessed to this crime i believe i am the real criminal sarah wheeler asserted speaking very quietly but with a steady gaze into the eyes of the listening detective you can readily understand that my husband and daughter are trying to shield me when i tell you that only i had opportunity i had possessed myself of mr wheeler's pistol and as i ran downstairs well knowing the conversation that was going on i shot through the doors as i passed and running on threw the weapon far out into the shrubbery it can doubtless be found i must beg of you mr stone that you thoroughly investigate these three stories and i assure you you will find mine the true one and the assertions of my husband and daughter merely loving but futile attempts to save me from the consequences of my act fleming stone smiled a queer tender little smile it is certainly a new experience for me he said when a whole family insists on being considered criminals but i will reserve decision until i can look into matters a little more fully now who can give me any information on the matter outside of the identity of the criminal geoffrey allen volunteered the story of the fire and keefe told of the strange bugle call that had been heard you heard it mr keefe asked stone after listening to the account no i was with mr appleby on a trip to boston i tell it as i heard the tale from the household here whereupon the wheeler family corroborated keith's story and fleming stone listened attentively to the various repetitions you find that bugler and you've got your murderer curtis keith said bluntly 
you agree don't you mr stone that it was no phantom who blew audible notes on a bugle i most certainly agree to that i've heard many legends in foreign countries of ghostly drummers buglers and bagpipers but they are merely legends i've never found anyone who really heard the sounds and moreover those things aren't even legends in america any bugling done in this country is done by human lungs now this bugler interests me i think with you mr keefe that to know his identity would help us whether he proves to be the criminal or not he's the criminal keefe declared again forgive me mr stone if my certainty seems to you presumptuous or forward but i'm so thoroughly convinced of the innocence of the wheeler family that perhaps i am over enthusiastic in my theory a theory doesn't depend on enthusiasm returned stone but on evidence and proof now how can we set about finding this mysterious bugler whether phantom or human i thought that's what you're here to do sam appleby said looking helplessly at fleming stone we are piped up terence mcguire as stone made no reply that's our business and consequently it shall be done the boy assumed an air of importance that was saved from being objectionable by his good-humored face and frank serious eyes i'll just start in and get busy now he went on and rising he bobbed a funny little bow that included all present and left the room it was mid-afternoon, and as they looked out on the wide lawn, they saw McGuire strolling slowly, hands in pockets, and seemingly more absorbed in the birds and flowers than in his vaunted business. Perhaps McGuire needs a little explanation, Stone smiled. He is my right-hand man, and a great help in detail work, but he has a not altogether unearned reputation for untruthfulness indeed his nickname is fibsy because of a congenital habit of telling fibs i advise you of this because i prefer you should not place implicit confidence in his statements but mr stone cried maida greatly interested how can he be of any help to you if you can't depend on what he says oh he doesn't lie to me stone assured her nor does he tell whoppers at any time only it's his habit to shade the truth when it seems to him advisable i do not defend this habit in fact i have persuaded him to stop it to a degree but you know how hard it is to reform entirely it won't affect his usefulness since he doesn't lie to his employer appleby said and too it's none of our business i've engaged mr stone to solve the mystery of my father's death and i'm prepared to give him full powers he may conduct his investigations on any plan he chooses my only stipulation is that he shall find a criminal outside the wheeler family a difficult and somewhat unusual stipulation remarked stone why difficult dan wheeler said quickly because with three people confessing a crime and no one else even remotely suspected save a mysterious and perhaps mythical bugle-player 
it does not seem an easy job to hunt up and then hunt down a slayer but you'll do it begged appleby almost pleadingly for it must be done we'll see stone replied and now tell me more about the fire in the garage it occurred at the time of the shooting you say what started it but nobody knew what started it how could we know asked jeff allen it was only a small fire and the most it burned was the robe in mr appleby's own car and a motor coat that was also in the car whose coat asked stone mine said keefe ruefully a bit of bad luck too for it was a new one i had to get another in place of it and you think the fire was the result of a dropped cigarette or match by mr appleby's chauffeur i don't know returned keefe he denies it of course but it must have been that or an incendiary act of someone maybe the bugler person suggested stone maybe assented keefe though he did not look convinced i think mr keefe thinks it was the work of my own men said dan wheeler and it may have been there's one in my employ who has an ignorant brutal spirit of revenge and if he thought samuel appleby was inimical to me he would be quite capable of setting fire to the appleby car that may be the fact of the case it may be agreed stone doubtless we can find out how asked allen that would be magician's work i think a detective has to be a magician stone smiled at him we quite often do more astounding tricks than that go to it then cried appleby that's the talk i like to hear questions and answers any of us can put over but the real detecting is like magic at least i can't see how it's done duff in mr stone get busy the group dispersed then fleming stone going to his room and the others straying off by twos or threes burden who had said almost nothing during the confab declared he wanted a talk with the great detective alone and would await his pleasure so burden sat by himself brooding on the veranda and presently saw the boy fibsy returning toward the house come here young one burden called out nixie old one was the saucy retort why not in a conciliatory tone cause you spoke disrespectful like i'm a detective you know all right old pal come here will you fibsy grinned and came seating himself on a cushioned swing nearby what you want he demanded only a line of talk you're mr stone now do you think he'll show up soon or has he gone for a nap fleming stone doesn't take naps fibsy said disdainfully he isn't that sort then he'll be down again shortly don't know maybe he's begun his fasting and prayer over this phenomenal case does he do that how do i know i'm not of a curious turn of mind me having other sins to answer for i know mr stone told us you have no respect for the truth did he now well he's some mistaken i have such a profound respect for the truth that i never use it except on very special occasions is this one 
it is not don't believe a word i say just now in fact i'm so lit up with the beauties and glories of this place that i hardly know what i am a-sayin'. ain't it the show place though yes it is looky here youngster can't you go up and coax mr stone to see me just a few minutes nope can't do that but you spill it to me and if it's worth it i'll repeat it to him i'm really along for that purpose you see but i haven't anything special to tell him oh i see just want the glory and honor of chinning with the great stone as this so nearly expressed burden's intention he grinned sheepishly and fibsy understood no go old top he assured him f stone will send for you if he thinks you'd interest him in the slightest degree better wait for the sending it'll mean a more satisfactory interview all round well then let's you and me chat a bit oh ho coming round to sort of like me are you well i'm willing tell me this how far from the victim did the shooter stand the doctor said as nearly as he could judge about ten feet or so away hm and fibsy looked thoughtful that would just about suit all three of the present claimants for the honor wouldn't it yes and would preclude anybody not inside the room unless he was close to the window sure but it ain't likely is it now that a rank outsider would come right up to the window and fire through it and not be seen by anybody no it isn't and of course if that had happened and any one of the three wheelers had seen it they would be only too glad to tell of it i wonder they haven't made up some such yarn as that you don't know the wheelers i do and i can see how they would perjure themselves any of them and confess to a crime they didn't commit to save each other but it wouldn't occur to them to invent a murderer or to say they saw someone they didn't see do you get the difference being an expert in the lying game i do and fibsy winked it isn't only that it's not only that they're unwilling to lie about it but they haven't the the well ingenuity to contrive a plausible yarn not being lying experts just as i said fibsy observed well we all have our own kind of cleverness now mine is finding things want to see an example yes i do all right how far did you say the shooter person stood from his victim about ten feet but i dare say it might be two or three feet more or less no they can judge closer than that by the powder marks the truth wouldn't vary more in a foot or so from their say now supposing the shooter did throw the revolver out of the bay window as the three wheelers agree severally they did do where would it most likely land in that clump of rhododendrons yep if they threw it straight ahead i suppose you've looked there for it yes rake the place thoroughly all right now if they slung the thing over toward the right where would it land on the smooth lawn and you didn't find it there no what are you doing stringing me oh no sir oh no now once again 
if they chanced to fling said revolver far to the left where would it land why in that big bed of ferns if they threw it far enough looked there no i haven't come on let's take a squint fibsy rose and lounged over toward the fern bed burden following almost certain he was being made game of end of chapter eleven